This episode of the Busted Wide Open podcast is brought to you by Blueberry. Blueberry offers the best media hosting, accurate listening stats, and their all-new PowerPress Deluxe Sites, a no-setup WordPress website for your podcast with all the necessary links to share your show with the world built right in. If you currently produce a podcast and are looking for a better host, or if you're looking to start a new one from scratch, head over to orbitaljigsaw.com slash BWO and sign up for the best media hosting and a PowerPress Deluxe site to get your first month absolutely free. That's orbitaljigsaw.com slash BWO or just use the promo code BWO at checkout for your first month absolutely free. And now, enjoy the show. Hello you numpties, this is the villain, Marty Skell, and you're listening to the Busted Wide Open Podcast. <laughs> you're listening to the Busted Wide Open Podcast, dropping the elbow on the hottest topics in sports entertainment and the world of professional wrestling, with your hosts, Nick Howell and Sir Ian Dangerous. Coming to you from the Orbital Jigsaw Network Arena in sunny Southern California. Welcome back to the Busted Wide Open Podcast, but if this is your first time joining the show, I'd like to welcome you to our patron mailbag episode number 21. My name is Nick Howell. And I am Sir Ian Dangers, and once again, we are here to answer the questions posed to us by those of you who have been kind and generous enough to go to patreon.com forward slash BWO and sign up for one of our patron tiers and contribute to making this show what it is, and we are so grateful that you do that, because without you, we could not be doing this show. So thank you to everyone who is one of our patrons. If you're not a patron yet, you can go sign up or you can just sit here and listen to what our patrons have to ask us and how we respond to it because it's a lot of fun for us and hopefully it's a lot of fun for you as well. Nick, are you ready to answer these questions today? Because Lord knows after that show when we were bitching about Super Showdown, I am fired up and ready to do this. Yes, ready to have some fun. Guys, head over to BWOPodcast.com. It is the, sort of the hub of everything where you can find all the links to our social media. If you're watching here on YouTube, definitely all the links to everything is down in the description below. Make sure you're in the Discord chat for Revolution tonight and for any of the shows throughout the week to keep the spoilers out of the Facebook discussion group. But the live chat is fair game for any of the shows all throughout the week. Thank you to all of our patrons for me as well. And uh, make sure you're subscribed to the YouTube channel here at youtube.com slash busted wide open. First question coming yep. in this week from Mr. Josh. He says, okay, I got a few this week. We don't have time for a few. <laughs> we got it. Oh. We got this, Nick. Uh, Come we on. We got you, though. We got you. So, he said, saw a sign during the sh super shit show yep. that said Riyadh for WrestleMania. Ha. Do you think they could cut a big enough check to actually make this happen? Could they? Also could, they could they? Could they? Yes. Will they? They shouldn't. London should get it before them. Uh, a lot of places to get WrestleMania before them. Yeah, absolutely. Because you can't, you can't do women's matches there. You can't do real women's matches there. There you go. That if if there's no other reason that you know, yes, they could they cut in a big enough check. Absolutely, they could cut a big enough check out of Saudi Arabia. It'll never happen though because you can't have. It's literally what Super matches. Showdown is. Is they're putting on a show that has like all the pyro and spectacle of WrestleMania, but they're not going to build the matches for it. And frankly, if you've seen the audience there, they don't really seem to care. They're just happy to have a show. And it's a big show in a big arena with tons of pyro. They don't need WrestleMania. They've got Super no. Showdown. WrestleMania is so, not for them. Frankly. Well, kind of. Kind of. Uh, in the same way the Super Showdown is not for us. It's fair. <laughs> totally fair. You know what I mean. 
He so. said, also, Paul Heyman is not in the Hall of Fame. Why do you think that is, and when do you think he'll be inducted, and who should induct him? Um, he's not there because he's still working diligently. Boom. I think you hit that. When will he be inducted? After he retires. Who should induct yeah. him? God, if he's... Oh, man. Bork Laser. Brock, yeah, but Brock can't really talk. I mean, Stone Cold. Ah! Stone Cold could induct a lot of people could induct Paul. I don't know if anyone but Vince really could. Tommy Dreamer. <laughs> Tommy. Tommy. I don't, yeah, right. I'd be, I, hey, man, I'd be down with that, but I just don't think that given Paul's history, that's enough of a stature there. Like, yeah. you got to have someone with some stature to induct, to induct Paul. And it, it would have to be someone like a, a, a Steve Austin or a Vince. Uh, uh, Michael P.S. Hayes. You know, somebody just oh, worked backstage no. with Paul. Michael oh. Hayes, maybe Vince himself. Get out of here with that Michael Hayes stuff, know. man. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, yeah. Thank you, Josh. Good questions. Oh, <laughs> if, if, uh, line drive said Jim Cornette. <laughs> that, you know what? Oh. I hope that Paul Heyman and Jim Cornette have a podcast one of these days. Oh, my the God. Oh. And they just tell wrestling stories from the 90s. And you beyond. think our shows are long. They would just never stop. They'd take an hour off a day. It used to be 23 hours podcasts. I would listen to every minute. <laughs> I absolutely would. Thank you, Josh, very much. Next up, Jacob, with the title change at Su- <laughs> Sasha Banks, is that you? <sighs> I'm still amped. With the title change at Super Showdown that makes two Super Showdowns in a row where a major title has changed hands, is there any reason to shock title changes at the Saudi shows other than to get eyes on the shows, and will it be a pattern going forward? Um, well, the reason for this one wasn't to get people to watch the show. It was to get the title on Goldberg as soon as possible so that they could plan for WrestleMania. And yep. a way to do it was to put it on a show that a lot of the American audience wouldn't necessarily watch. So, uh, unfortunately, that kind of backfired because, you know, it's a three-minute match. We can watch it on YouTube in, you know, no time at all and just be mad about it all over again. Um, you can put that in a tweet. <laughs> right. You could make They a, allow make up to three-minute videos make in a tweet. A, make a gif of it. Um, yeah. Could be a TikTok, you know. Yeah. So, no, I don't think that it's to get eyes on the shows. I think that it definitely helps because there was a point where we were like, "There's no reason to watch these shows because titles never change hands." And then the title started changing hands. Um, so it, it it does give people a reason to tune in, which I think they should have done. And then I'm glad they're doing it now. Um, from their perspective, I'm not glad because you know it means the shows actually matter more, which I really didn't want them to matter more. But uh, I don't think that's the only reason that they're doing it is yeah. just to get to get eyes on the show. It's also a matter of convenience when they have to get things done in time. Um, they had no other opportunity yeah. really to, you know, not no other opportunity. Hold on a second. They, they, they could have had Goldberg beat fiend at elimination chamber, but they did it at super showdown because they're killing two birds with one stone. Because they're paying for all of these big stars, and over there, of course, the big the big stars, and over here, um, frankly, actually, now that I think of it, Undertaker and Goldberg are still bigger stars than anybody else in the current roster. So you're getting a big star, having a match, and you're having a title change, and that's making the Saudis feel like they're getting bang for their buck. So, I think it's not just about getting our eyes on it; it's getting it's making the Saudis happy that they're paying tens and hundreds of millions of dollars for this. They're paying for a show. Let's give them the spectacle. Let's give them something special about it. But hey, at the same time, we can take advantage of it to course correct some of our booking errors. Yep. You know, uh, it's it, right. Yeah. Or it make sense. or make more booking errors. Yeah. Because we had booking errors. 
depending on your perspective. Right. Exactly. Thank you, Jacob. Next up, Martin asked, oh boy, this is Nick's worst nightmare. Yes. WWE fires all their tag teams. Ah! You know, if if they if they committed to not having tag team wrestling, I'd kind of be okay with that. Right. But what like, they do, do, it do or is don't. kind of make a mockery of it. Do it or don't anyway, do it. Yeah. Yeah. Do or do not. There is no try. Thanks, uh, Dakota. You each have to make up two teams of singles wrestlers and then give them a kick-ass tag team name. Three, to go, three days ago, I thought of a great question, but my memory is shit and I can't remember it. <laughs> <laughs> this is a good one, though. So we have to make, each make up two teams of singles. singles wrestlers. Oh, so it is your nightmare. you got to make a singles tag. you got to make two singles tag teams? Oh, man. Keith Lee and Otis Dozovich. What's, what's, their, what's be, their tag name? Um, the Porterhouses or something. Porter, I don't know. The Porterhouses. Oh, beef God. stew. The, the beef stew. Oh, my that's God. Not, that's not a bad idea. I might actually put that's going to come into play here in one of the later questions. Oh, but that's, no. that's, I'm going to write that one down, actually. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. I'm not, I'm not necessarily mad at that, but, uh, uh, I was actually going to think more like Keith Lee and Braun Strowman. Let's call them the mountains. That's not bad. Keith Lee and Braun Strowman. Yeah. Holy smokes. Meat yeah. castles. Meat ca- the meat castles. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> Lee and Strowman, the meat castles. Yep. That's right. We're yeah, here. Jacob, two teams We're here singles. Let's, let's do a women's one, too. What, Lee, what women would Hold on a second. That, that's, hold okay. on a second. Lee and Strowman. We're here to pound some meat. Sorry. Well, uh, women's, women's, women's tag teams? Yeah. Uh, he said we had to do two, two teams of singles I was, wrestlers. Okay. Uh, well, what do you got for women's women's like what women's tag team would you see? I, I would play into the Australian nature of it. Rhea Ripley and Tony Storm. <laughs> of course, of course, of I course. Would, Tony's one of yours. Um. I I, I kind of something's telling me to do. Well, Rhea's a with, Rhea's a big girl, and you know Tony's thick, so maybe uh, thighs and size. What? Don't give me sure. that look. I I, just, I don't want it to be about. Well, I guess we're calling them beef stew because they're big. I was gonna boys, say, you know. man, you're the one who's going on T- looks. Potato, here. potato. I don't know. I'm trying to not objectify them a, in a way, but I guess I'm objectifying uh, right. uh, Otis and. Uh, <laughs> you're you're saying, right. Anyway. You're objectifying the big man's. Cause he's a beefy boy. Yeah. Come on, man. Uh, shoot, this would be something's I, telling me Lacey Evans, Dana Brooke. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> the Botch Sisters. Yeah, exactly. That's a great one. Um, <laughs> we got a lot of questions. We got. Well, go. like, I know, I know. I just, I know there's, I know there's a good one out there, and I'm just not thinking of it right now because my brain is fried because I just spent all of my energy screaming about <laughs> Super Showdown. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not, we're not near done because we got to watch Revolution here. In a I know, bit, oh which is why we're in a bit of a hurry. Holy Sorry, God. guys. It's going to be a long day. All right, Martin, we'll, I, I'm going to think about this. I'm, I'm sure I can come up with some better ones if I'm not on the spot. And I'll put them in the yeah. Facebook discussion group because that is that is a fun question. And it would be fun. And I'm just like, right now. Seated, Martin. Seated in Goldberg, the part-time connection. Oh, God. Oh, God. Part-time uh, Goldberg. partners. Goldberg and Brock Lesnar. Part-time partners. The part-timers. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Martin. Next up, uh, he actually sent me a, a private message this week with a vo- voice note of how to properly say his name. Oh. Jardy de Wanamuck. Oh, cool. All right. Jardy. There we go. So, Jardy. So, you were right, it, it you were right the, the first time. With the hard J. 
No, you were right. I was saying Yardy. I was saying Yardy. It's a a whatever. It's Jardy. Oh, oh, whatever. Jardy, thank you very much for the question and for sending me that note. I appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, Hey, guys, this is a question more for Nick. I heard some time ago that you were trying or planning to make a BWA roster on WWE 2K20. Is there any update on that, or is 2K20 still too much of a garbage fire to make that possible? Beep, 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 beep. (laughs) Breaking news. Breaking news. Uh, Ian and I did finally have our sort of quarterly meeting yeah. Uh, this week, and uh, I have been working out my various stream schedules that I have across tech and work and all kinds of stuff like that. I did find two additional spots uh, for you guys where we're going to do some extra content, hopefully starting next week. I want to do a watch party of AEW Dark and NWA Power, where we're probably going to do that not on Tuesday night, but possibly on Thursdays. So for those of you that are interested in watching that along with me, after we do our show on Tuesday and we watch Dynamite and NXT on Wednesdays, let's get together and watch Dark and NWA Power on Thursdays. Okay, just throwing that out there. Fridays, Friday nights after SmackDown, yes. The Twitch channel is finally going to get started. We are going to start building the roster next Friday. So it, I'm going to soup to nuts from the very beginning with you guys. We're going to download the game. We're going to set up the universe with our logos and all kinds of good stuff. And we're going to build the BWO universe in WWE 2K20. We'll see how it goes. You're, I don't you know if they've made huge improvements. You just, yep. you just, you hate yourself, don't you? I do. Oh my I God. do. So stay tuned, Jardy. Uh, look for uh, like 10 p.m. Eastern time. It's a terrible time for you over there in Europe. Um, but it, unfortunately, <laughs> but that's about the only time <laughs> slot I could find where uh, I could spend two plus hours doing the, a, a, yet another live stream on top of all of the stuff that we're doing throughout the week. So we might add on to that in the future, but stay tuned. We'll see how it goes with the game. If it is complete trash, we'll see how far we can get. Good luck. Thank you very much. Uh, next up, Brandon uh, asks, Hey, guys, I've got three questions today. Okay, we're going fast. With Lance Archer signing, what are some matches you would like to see in Fantasy Book his creative for the next year? Uh, year? Yeah, no. He hasn't even I, debuted. Here, I got you right here because I was already fantasy booking him in my head. So, you, so okay. let me break out. Uh, 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 let me break Go out some it. Ian booking here. Uh, Lance Archer interferes in the match between Jericho and Moxley tonight, not because he's joining the inner circle, but because he is a hired gun. He and Moxley go on a three- or four-month feud whenever the next uh, pay-per-view is. It gets blown off with Lance Archer finally getting defeated by Moxley, who goes on to do other things. Uh, Afterwards, Archer's cut loose. He's still uh, in AEW, but no longer on Jericho's payroll. And uh, somewhere along the line, he crosses paths with Jurassic Express. They piss him off, and he decides he's he's going to hurt them uh, he ends up breaking one of Lucha, uh, Luchasaurus's legs, takes him out, and then starts preying on both Jungle Boy and Marco's stunt. Luchasaurus is helpless to help his little friends. So uh, Lance Archer, in keeping with his mantra of everybody dies, keeps threatening to actually legitimately take out Jungle Boy and Marco's stunt. Uh, and there's that drama of is he actually going to hurt them and end their careers, and Luchasaurus is powerless to help them. Ultimately, Luch- Luchasaurus heals from his injury, and we end up having a Luchasaurus versus uh, so we get, we get the big little guy combinations where Lance Archer can take on Jungle Boy and Marco Stunt. And then we end up having uh, the final uh, matches of the feud would be uh, Luchasaurus and Lance Archer having big boys who can do big flippy things matches, which would be a hell of a lot of fun. I don't know if that's a whole year worth of booking, but that's just like the first things I could imagine seeing from Lance Archer over there. That'd be a lot of fun. I'll give you a good old Picard. Make it so. Make it so. Make it so. Next up, who is Adam Cole Bebe's next challenger? Velveteen Dream. I agree. 
That's just that. That uh, I, think, I actually, I think, I think that's just a done deal. I think we'll find out next week on NXT. That's the that's the that's the plan. I I feel like Keith Lee might be in that conversation at some point. He's the he's the champ. Think, Why do you keep doing this? He's not gonna get. He's not he's the next challenger. Ah. Oh. Just never let me finish. Go on. I, I, go I on. was going to say, I feel like it's too soon now. He's, oh. he's got the title, okay. all of that stuff. Okay. So later, I feel like later this year, yes. Okay. We, we could potentially get that. I'm sorry. I'm still, uh, I'm lastly, still I'm sorry, Nick, I'm sorry. I'm still triggered from Super Showdown. Everything, everything makes me scream. Uh, yeah. Line Drive in the chat says he's not a fan of Dream versus Cole right now. Still too rusty. I don't think anybody is. Like, that's, <laughs> I, I think, yeah. that, I think that if, they, if they make that not the case, it's because that Roderick Strong Dream match was not good. And they're alive. They might they might pull back on it, but I think that was the plan. Was dream. Uh, lastly, he says if Goldberg was to stage as champ after Mania and oh. put on good matches, what are some matches you would like to see? My top would be Big E, as talked about on the New Day podcast. Let's be clear: the big if here is put on good matches. <laughs> you said- he he's not beating Roman Reigns at WrestleMania, and if he does, he's not putting on good matches. So this is this this was this was all part of the plan to get Roman Reigns all the rub that all that the fiend every rub. Brock Lesnar everything and by doing this you put all of that onto Roman Reigns when he beats Goldberg because Goldberg's beating them all now Ugh. it's all for it's all for Roman but guys. at least you're not having to ruin the fiend by having Roman beat him yeah whatever it, it still yeah. it's crap um uh, what uh, are some matches you'd like to see Big Matt E Riddle. I'd love to see Matt Riddle oh, I want to watch Matt Riddle embarrass him. I really do. I like after all this talk and everything, I'd like to see Matt Riddle go out there, go into business for himself, and just embarrass Goldberg, and then just get himself fired. Just get himself sure. fired. Like he gives yeah. he gives zero fucks as it is. Just get yourself fired and just have a <laughs> on the way out. Just take out Goldberg. I think that'd be hilarious. Wouldn't happen, yeah. but neither would Goldberg having good matches. So for in fantasy land exactly. already, I'm just going to go ahead and say that. Thank you very much, Brandon. Next up, Roberto asks, "What's going on, fellas? What's hey. up, man? Uh, with what happened at Super Showdown yesterday oh, with Goldberg God, and, and, their, again. and their SmackDown plans or lack thereof, why do you think it is hard for the WWE or Vince to make new superstars? You got stars and great talent, but none since Cena. There has been a power not since Cena. There has been a powerhouse star. Do you think Vince doesn't want another Rock or Austin or Cena happening? They left to make movies and other projects and leave them stranded. Well, Cena left, I think, after after giving Vince enough time. Um, yeah. Austin got injured, and Rock left too early. So, and it's also, I mean, you know, it happened back in the day with like with Hogan and and Macho Man getting too big for the company and having somewhere else to go. So now it's more dangerous with AEW being there now. It is a more dangerous scenario for WWE, even though WWE has fu money. Um, they are in a predicament as far as creative is concerned where they have another company that can take their people and do more interesting things with them and create stars of their own. Um, but why is it hard for them to build stars? Well, because they're, run, they're falling into the same trap that WCW and before them, Vern Gagne uh, made, and that is relying too much on old stars and the law of diminishing returns. And you go for the quick buck with what you're confident about as opposed to taking a chance and possibly losing money for the short term. Vince is also up against a wall right now where he's really beholden to his shareholders, and they're already seeing this kind of constant downward trend. So he's got to throw as many spikes out there as he can um, and keep bailing water out of the ship as much as possible. Uh, And he doesn't really have as much leeway to take chances. So I kind of understand why he's like, oh, crap, I've got to go with the tried and true 
as opposed to taking chances on new stars and trying to make another Cena when and you know taking the chances that they did on Cena to make him into what he became and allowing him to be what he became. But it's also the fact that Cenas don't come out around all the time. You know, even Roman Reigns isn't a Cena. No, there's also the anomaly of CM Punk that that lightning in a bottle that happened for about a year or two. But he's um, also you can't you, they couldn't control CM. That Punk. happened no in the middle of Cena, right? It's the middle of Super Cena. So that the kind of at the tail end of what we knew as Super but Cena. But CM Punk isn't a guy that could be the man, the guy. He's not a WWE no. top guy. He's CM Punk. It's a whole different thing. Um, he could never be the face of your company because of his personality, because of who he is, um, and he'll never recognize that in himself. But it's something that that on the outside we can look at and say, okay, we understand why Vince didn't want to pull the trigger on him. Um, he's one not, of his biggest complaints. He was never on the merch. He was never on the banners. He was never on the the, the what do you call them the programs or any of that kind of stuff, right? Even though he was the champion, he was on the cover of the the video game. He was on the cover of a lot of stuff. He got a lot All of right. stuff. He was just never mess. Yeah. He never main evented WrestleMania, which was yeah. a beef that he had. Um, but no, I think I think it's the problem of short-term panic and this has been discussed ad nauseum i think over the years of of watching vince constantly do this and the law of diminishing returns is starting to happen more and more and more unfortunately now he's in a position where he does have the fu money but nick i think it's a house of cards where really does he have a lot of money yes but it's propped up by the tv deals and saudi arabia if the ratings go down the tv deals go away and the Saudi Arabia deal ain't going to last forever either. They start getting less popular and less attendance. Those deals go away. And then they're really screwed because that's all their money. Gone. Um, so they, I think in the long term, they do have to be careful. They are more vulnerable than a lot of people are giving them credit for because they just got so much FU. They've never been more profitable, but they've also haven't been this unpopular since the early 90s. Yeah. So... Yeah. You know, this could all go away in the matter of a year or two. I'd say the best example that we saw of this potentially happening again was the last eighteen months of Becky Lynch. It, it that's about and how's that working now? Everybody's Can they? Like, mm-hmm. I, no, I disagree. I think Becky's still very hot. She's still the number one merch seller. You know, sure. maybe maybe amongst the smarks, they're like, I'm getting bored of Becky Lynch. Me. Guilty. Yeah, well, and and I I I am mad at you for that. That's fine. That's, well, you're mad at me for a lot of stuff. It's fine. Uh, no, Whatever. no, it's like, no, I'm not. I'm not mad at you for a lot of stuff. I'm mad at you for that though. Okay, thank you very much, Roberto. Great question, uh, Brad. Next, hey guys, got a couple of questions I've been unable to get to posting to before now. Yes, <laughs> has it has nothing to do with wrestling, but with the buzz of Rowan's shirt watch. Yeah. Who are your top five musical artists or groups Ooh. across all genres. Mine would be Metallica, Five Finger Death Punch, Within Temptation, Rush, and Garth Brooks. His concerts are unbelievable. Yes, they are. Fair enough. I went to one in the 96, 97, I think it was. It was incredible. Uh, so that's, let's quite a, that that's quite a spread of, 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 of artists there, yeah. too, that he's got. It's very, uh, click, click. Yeah. Uh, okay, so what are your top five music artists across all genres? Jesus, that's like choosing between my children. Like that's, I would really have to... Uh, I mean, I, I could list off a hundred, and depending on the day, they could all change. But I mean, um, I the band I've been to more concerts than any other band is Nine Inch Nails. I've been to dozens of concerts of theirs, and incredible every time. Uh, so, I mean, uh, Nine Inch Nails, David Bowie, 
Gojira, Pink Floyd, and I'm going to miss a million other ones. Um, Faith No More. I'll just, I'll, I'll throw this out there. And I know there's a, a million more that later I'm going to think about. be like, oh, yeah, no, that, that, that band, that band, that band. Um, that's just off the top of my head. There's a post I put up in 2014 on Facebook that constantly comes up in my memories. And funny enough, it showed up. I posted it on February 4th, 2014. So it showed up in my memories, and that's this is where I'm going. So I'm going to give you bands, but I'm also going to give you the extent of albums that were influential to me. Okay. Because I, I get asked every now and then, like, what were the albums that made you a metal fan? Like, mm. what were your quintessential albums that turned you around? And what would the if you were to approach by another fan who wasn't a fan of metal but was kind of curious and interested, what five albums would you hand them to have them listen to metal. So I'm going to put that spin on this for me. Okay. You guys can take it however you want. Uh, Vulgar Display of Power by Pantera. Okay. Uh, the Blackening by Machine Head from 2007 uh, was one of those albums that was lightning in a bottle that they'll probably never be able to do again. Right. <laughs> uh, Slipknot's self-titled debut in 99, 2000. Fair enough. Uh, was, was absolutely a game changer in metal. Uh, Dream Theater's Images and Words from 1994. If you're into <laughs> Prague... And, you know, some like melodic metal, if you want to call it that. Sure. I don't even know if that qualifies in there. And the big one, uh, And Justice for All by Metallica. Right. Uh, was the one, the album that turned me into a metalhead. And all of those came after that. As I, I, I can't even list, sort of I can't discovery. list that as my favorite uh, Metallica album just because there's no bass on it. That's fine. You're a purist. That's whatever. Anyway, that my point being is that if you're, if you're, if the question is about like what are, you said across all genres, I understand. I don't really listen across all genres. <laughs> He's I a metalhead. He's a pure uh, metalhead. Yeah. I, I'm just, I listen to metal. I listen to some electronic stuff every now and then. I even listen to classical sometime. If you've never intro introduced anybody to classical music, Beethoven, Tchaikovsky, yeah. that kind of stuff, you have to go listen to some of that because it's, it's heavy metal in that time period. I also if you listen I, to some yeah. of Beethoven's stuff. It's, it's heavy metal. Right. It's crazy. The it's, way very, the it's, very are written. it's very heavy stuff. Yeah. Um, I can't believe I didn't put Soundgarden in there. Soundgarden is, is one of my like top, top. Chris Cornell, number one yeah. singer of all time. So yeah. I could I could keep going on this. I'm glad you made it just metal. I should have done that because I could just it makes keep, it easier. I could just keep running away with this. Uh you know. Five music artists or groups across all genres. Um NWA straight out of Compton was a big We're one. Doing for albums? Me. It's just you know I just I'm thinking about what are what are what are albums and, and artists across genres that had an impact on me. Right. I listed out five of them there for you from the metal side, but yeah, I was a big hip hop and gangster rap guy in the in the '80s as a kid, yeah. mainly because they were saying dirty words. Let's, let's be let's sure. call it what it is. I was 12 and they were saying fucking <laughs> all kinds of other words. Oh, he said it. Oh, oh my goodness. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, I was I was real big into Alice in Chains. Um, yep. I really liked Lane Staley and Jerry Cantrell. So I was never, I'll, I'll give you a controversial one. I never really liked Nirvana. All right. I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not going to complain too much about that. I was a punk kid. I loved punk a lot. Um, and if you want to start listing off punk bands, we'll be here all day too. But Nirvana yeah. was very punky to me. So I, I dug them a lot. Um, I was I, more of a Stone Temple Pilots and Alice in Chains guy. I was actually, what's funny is my, I, I was, I was Alice in Chains number two. Um, Soundgarden and Pearl Jam were like tied at the first back in the day. And now yeah. Soundgarden, as I've gotten older, has gone <laughs> way oh, through totally. the roof. Wait, I'd actually take Pearl Jam out of the equation altogether. Soundgarden, like numero uno. But um, yeah, like you get into any genre, I'll just sit here and list off 
bands that I freaking love in that genre, whether it's metal, country, uh, punk, whatever. We'll, we'll be here all day. So I'll let's give not you a country let's, one. I'm not even into country. Luke Combs right now, from North Carolina strong. You know, we're going to see him in September. So fair enough. Good stuff. Good poppy country I've, music. I've, I'm, a, I'm a big Waylon. Waylon and Merle. I've, I've yeah. seen. Uh, I've seen. I've seen Shooter Jennings a couple of times. He actually comes up the street here to a little bar, and I've seen him with like 25 people, which is awesome. Yeah. So and I've and I've seen Hank the Third a few times as well. So awesome. Uh, let's see. Oh, he also asked, do you think there could be another promotion along the lines of Lucha Underground that could survive on just TV episodes alone? The one thing that got me about Lucha Underground was the fact that all the vignettes were shot like many TV episodes and told an overall story arc throughout the season. Promos were limited to just strictly in the ring and were shortened to the point. To me, it was an unbelievable show and is what got me back into wrestling after about a five or six year hiatus. Dude, absolutely. It was an amazing, yeah. amazing show. The tragedy was because they shot it like a show, that's not how wrestlers' lives work. And so, and also they had, they had a bunch of problems backstage with, with some of the politics with AAA and some of the people involved. Um, people that were making the show were not, they didn't know how the wrestling world worked and so stumbled into a lot of pitfalls in that. Could it happen again? Yeah, I, I would love to see it happen again because I, I completely agree with Brad here that the style of that show is absolutely incredible. It's one of the things that made me love it as well was it was watching, you know, you're basically watching a moving comic book with pro wrestling lucha matches scattered in, in and out of it, and they were able to edit those matches to make them even better. It wasn't strictly live. Uh, there's right. a few matches that we saw live that they, they cut all of the botches out and they picked the, picked the perfect angles for the certain moments. So they were able to make the matches even better through editing and, and changing stuff around. Um, I would love to. I mean, I'd love to see Lucha Underground come back. It won't because they 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 they've just lost all the talent and burned a lot of bridges, and so that's it's unfortunate. There's a big but, reason Ian and I pursued El Rey to do a show for them. Yeah, and we were massive, massive fans of Lucha Underground. It's it's a shame. It went the way it did. It really is. I would love to see another show like it. And I think it's doable, yeah. It's doable, but it's going to take people who know a lot more about wrestling than the ones who did that show. And it's going to take a lot of And let's be clear, the only reason AEW is off and running right now is because they found a billionaire that would back them. And it's going to take something of that caliber. They need, a, they need a financial backing because season after season of Lucha Underground, they kept cutting budget, cutting budget, cutting budget, cutting budget. And the stars started getting pissed. They were not we, – we had different talent come in. They were getting paid less and less, but they were locked into these very restrictive contracts where they couldn't work other places. You saw the production of the show start to go down and down and down after that first season that was just incredible. So anyway – uh, lots of stuff to a lot of lessons to learn there uh, from that, but it doesn't take away from the fact that Lucha Underground is one of my favorite things that I've watched in the last decade, all across the board. So, hundred percent, absolutely love it, hundred percent. Thank you very much, Brad. Next up, Abraham. Sup, Esme's pod daddies. Yeah, <laughs> I laugh every time she starts. <laughs> We're pod daddies. We're pod daddies. Pod papas. That's funny. Some of the orbital jigsaw other shows call me pod dad. Pod dad. And then they made they, they got me a Godfather picture with my face on it called the Podfather. Uh, I will make you the podcast great. That's right. Uh, I'll make it. You can be a man. Uh, two questions. <laughs> Look how did they Sammy massacred turning, my boy. Okay. Did Sammy turning heel the day of his epic Montreal return pop, sadly missed on the list of great returns, hit him? Will he ever him. get it back him, to right? that level again? Hurt him, yes. Yeah. Did, the, did his return pop evil Montreal thing hurt him? 
I think his heel turn hurt him in general. I, but I think because Sammy was one of the great baby faces in wrestling and all the way up through NXT. And I don't know if he can ever get back there now because he's such a he's he's gotten himself to a place where he's such a wonderful heel character. And I think obviously a distant second, but still like a great Bobby the Brain Heenan style heel. Just mouth Jimmy the Heart, like runs his mouth, you know, great, just annoying guy. Can he ever go back to being a face? I don't know. It would be a, a major undertaking, and I don't know if WWE cares enough about him to put in that time and effort. Yeah, and that's more of the that's, issue. That's my concern is to, is that they don't see him as that valuable. They exactly. Don't see that. Exactly. If if they felt if they saw value in having him be face again, they'd do it. I don't know that they even value him as being a heel enough. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, yeah, I don't think that him turning heel that particular day hurt him as much as turning him heel in general, and WWE's lack of really really caring about him other than just another guy to fill up their mid-card roster. Right. He also asked, which I'm not really sure what to make of this one, will having one of each title and those champs stand at the top of WWE and compete on any brand at any time work? Oh, if like, if you unify? Wait, what? Will having one of each title and their respective champions stand at top of WWE and compete on any brand. Oh, any as opposed to work. being locked to a brand. So for instance, yeah. if you have if you have the WWE title, the universal title, one tag team, not not SmackDown and Raw, and then Intercontinental Women's. So they've done this before. They have had, you know, titles and then the two shows. So basically undo a brand split in a sense. Will hey, will that Triple work? H win both titles and yeah. then consolidate it's them. It's worked yeah. before. I mean, it's Daniel just, Bryan. It's a different style of booking and you know, we Nick, when when they first split the brands again, we were commenting on the pros and cons. And when they had like the brand specific pay per views, and then they went back to mixed brand pay per views, we talked about the pros and cons. Right. And there's upsides and downsides to both ways of doing it. The problem is that yeah. WWE will always show off the downsides as well as the upsides. They they almost never are able to negate the downsides, even though it's fairly obvious what the downsides are going to be. It's for some reason they're unable to book around it. Um, so there are downsides to having, you know, single champs that compete on both brands, and that is overexposure. You have your 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 limited roster coming, exposure. Your champs coming out uh, on both shows, and that gives less time for every, everyone else. And the more titles, the you only have, time that works is when it's Rock, Cena, and DX the whole time. And you know, I'm sorry, Rock, um, Stone Cold, and DX sure. every week on both shows. But right? the roster was a fraction of the size then. Yeah, you know true. what I mean. And for the most of that, like SmackDown didn't come around until the late, late, late '90s, and it was only yeah. one show. So it's a different game now. Like having more titles, having more shows, having more things going on makes more sense because you have so many more people and there's so much talent that they're sitting on that they could be doing something with that they're spending money on that they're they're throwing away money at people who could go out there and make them money. But they can't because they don't have enough space. And yeah. the, then having more titles gives them a bit more breathing room there. Um, it de devalues the individual titles, unfortunately, and that's one of the downsides. But that's the that's the thing. There's there's you've, <laughs> you've got both sides of this equation. Some good, some bad, and you know, yeah, it's 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 like picking the tires in the racing games. Some will have more traction, but they're not as fast. And you just have to figure out which one you want. So.
Thank you very much, Abraham. Next up, Billy. I think my question didn't post the first time. Oh, okay. Uh, you got, but guys, you rock. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. What is your ideal spread for a wrestling event? Ooh. Things that make the show better. Any people there? Uh, food, drink, snacks, favorite chair. Me, it's a pizza, a sweet tea, and a can of Copenhagen. I'll ask. Copenhagen makes yeah, you feel so good. My heart right Copenhagen, there. just like you know it should. Sweet, sorry. Sweet, sweet a little talk in, in your mouth. Sorry. Yep. Copenhagen, man, I haven't, shoot, I haven't had a Copenhagen in my, little, little dirt. I haven't had a little Copenhagen between my cheek and gums since I was in college. That's how long it's yeah. been. I, uh, I, I dipped in school because you couldn't, <sighs> you can't smoke standing out on the baseball field. <laughs> <laughs> so, so of course, throw a little chaw in, and I got to a point where I was playing center field where I would put two in. Oh, just Jesus! In case the, yeah, it's just the nicotine, Woo! right? You just, you get build up a tolerance for it after a while. <sighs> I uh, the first time I saw a guy without a jaw, though I I'm yeah, done, nope, I got, I got two lungs. Good. John Wayne lived without one lung. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'll switch to smoking. That's that's obviously more healthy for me. Than um, all right, ideal spread. Well, this is an interesting question because I'm about to have to figure out a spread for a wrestling event in about oh an hour. Uh, I'm gonna be doing wing, wings and pizza. You doing wings and pizza? I might yeah. mess with the pizza today. Pizza does sound really good. I like I've. Uh, I have to admit, usually I tend to get a little fancy schmancy and get a little like uh, crudite and some, uh, some charcuterie, charcuterie board. board. I'm not kidding. I'll, I'll, dude, I got a, I got a block of wood up there, and I will get some, some really nice some prosciutto and some deli artesian meats. Artesian cheeses. You damn right, I'll get some artesian cheeses. Get some Mount Tam Cowgirl Creamery going in here. Triple cream brie, baby. Yeah, I will mess with. I'll get some fog cutter. I will mess with it. The, the big I question I have for you, Billy, is it's important. What do you use as a spitter? Oh, for are you a paper towel in a cup guy or are you using a 20-ounce bottle? No, no, you, that's an easy one. You finish off your Miller Lite and you could put it right back in there. Yeah. Uh, beer cans never work. Yeah, beer cans the best, man. Uh, any people there. Usually it's – usually these days it's me and Dog Ziggler. Every once yeah. in a while I get a guest. Um, used to love like, 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 a, like five or under – you know, never a big party, but just a bunch of a bunch of my boys get together and scream. At the I used TV. to like doing parties and hosting and stuff yeah. like that, but then I then I got older and I hated cleaning up after. Exactly. It, you know? <laughs> so usually these days it's me with a set of headphones on watching by myself because I, I yeah. Esther's got other stuff going on and yeah yeah so yeah. Usually I'm just either in here on the desk or out in the in the recliner. Yeah, I'll, with I'll headphones on. I I'll invite people. I uh, uh, actually I'm trying to think. What was a lot? A Royal Rumble. Uh, JB was over for Royal Rumble. She she watched that with me. That was a lot of fun because uh, it's fun to hear her scream about people's outfits. Yeah. Um, yeah. So good time. But today will be today for Revolution is going to be me and Dog Ziggler and uh, my other little old man Axel and uh, some beers and you know what? Damn it! I'm not gonna lie. Pizza, Pizza and some buffalo boneless wings. I think yep. today. Yeah. Yes, sir. Uh, yeah. Thank you very much, Billy. Next up, Brian asks us, last week I asked about Hall of Fame ideas and would like to expand on huh. them. Okay. Do you think any journalists should be considered? An example would be Bill Apter. Mm. Okay. Uh, if they would consider some of the independent journalists for the WWE Hall of Fame, who do you think deserves a spot and why? Oh. Interesting. Um, I actually, because honestly, the first person you'd think of is Dave Meltzer, who's been doing it for decades and decades and decades. But all he's done is shit on WWE. But that's kind of what I was going to say. That's what I was going to go next. Is that he? I don't. Here's the thing. I actually think he's more. 
he 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 does. By the way, first of all, he doesn't shit on it anywhere nearly as much as Alvarez does. Alvarez is That's just, fair. you know, ruthless. Dave, that dude's a damn Wolverine. Dave Dave actually tends to try to have a little bit more uh, of an unbiased opinion on it, even though it's obviously super biased. Right. Uh, you know, WWE style is not his style, but. Um, I don't think he'll ever, they would never want him in there because of all the things, like he's unpopular because of the number of times he's messed with their bottom line by revealing stories and breaking news before they want it. So uh, he definitely, while I think should be venerated for his time doing what he does, being a wrestling journalist, and also his absolutely insane knowledge of the business, um, I think that if they were to create a journalist category for the Hall of Fame, that that would be biased, even more biased than the other, you know, stuff they have in the Hall of Fame. And the Hall of Fame itself, like that, yeah. would just be so. Like, you're, if you're a, like Sam Roberts, would be going into that thing, right? It's just basically who's a sure. WWE shill, and that's not fun. So, yeah, Sam Roberts would be about the only one that I could think of, honestly. I, in my head, I was going. Cornette's kind of a journalist now. He's more of a historian, but he, well, but he's he would go he would go in. As he inducted like, Rock and Roll Express in, so right. He should be in for a couple. He's shown that he can work with him, huh? He should be in for a couple of reasons. Uh, sure, uh, but you he's know. he's his biggest. He's his own worst enemy right now. But like, anyway. I, I mean, they're already they're they're putting personalities in there. Like Mean Gene is in the Hall of Fame. You know what I mean? There, there should yeah. be more announcers going in there. I, I think is is Howard Finkel in it in the Hall of Fame? Yeah, they put the Fink in. They a put the Fink in. Ago. Yeah. So like stuff like that, like you know, personalities, people who are around the WWE. Yes, journalists. I don't know because they're they're not really wrestling personalities. They're they're that next what orbit out, even from the personalities yeah. that are that are employed by WWE. So if you think about like the concentric circles of yeah. like here's the business and then here's Vince and all of that and the superstars and yeah. the commentators and everybody else and then that plus, then you get out too. They're plus journalists else. are supposed to they're supposed to be obviously they're not but they're supposed to be objective. How do you re- retain your objectivity if you're in the Hall of Fame which let's be clear is just a made up award from this company? Right. Line drive in the chat saying Jim Johnson, Brian Gerwitz, you know, yes. Backstage people. Yes. I I could, I definitely want to Jim Johnson for all of his musical contribution. hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah. Jim Johnson absolutely should be in there, especially now that he's no longer working for them, but I don't know if they left on good terms or not, Mm. but to be determined, I suppose. Mm. Thank you very much, Brian. That's, that's a good question to think about. Interesting. Uh, next up, Patrick asks, can't think of a wrestling question this week because my brain walked out when that bald bastard Goldberg. Beat the Fiend, so power rank your favorite Quentin... T- oh, my God. <laughs> he knows you. You guys don't even know. Power rank your favorite Quentin Tarantino movies. Thanks for all the great content. You guys keep me sane through WWE booking. Yeah. All right. So the first thing I'll say is if you haven't seen QT8, the documentary of basically the career of Quentin Tarantino from writing True Romance and working on Thelma Louise all the way up through the Harvey Weinstein stuff and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, it is phenomenal. Uh, if I'm power, like power ranking all of them, oh, good God, I'll be here for an hour. That's like fantasy booking or There's only like eight or nine stuff. of them. Power rank them. Yeah, but What's your dude, favorite? What's your next favorite? That's like, favorite? again, picking your children. Like you said earlier, that's like, those are some of my all-time favorite movies in there. I can do mine. Um, I, I, love I have the one that I think is the, 
I'll do this. I'll give some superlatives. Uh, my favorite Quentin Tarantino movie is Pulp you, Fiction. You keep going. I'm going to come right back. You keep going. Okay. My favorite Quentin Tarantino movie is Pulp Fiction. Um, and that's a hard decision to make because I really, really, really enjoy Django Unchained and Hateful Eight. But Pulp Fiction, for me, stands out um, as just a huge thing that kind of... Reservoir Dogs is the thing that put him on the map. Pulp Fiction is, is the thing that cemented him in a big way. The one that I think is the unsung hero in Quentin Tarantino's repertoire is Jackie Brown. And between Pam Greer and Sam Jackson, I think they did a phenomenal job with that movie. Uh, the entire cast and the dialogue and everything. Like, Quentin is known for his dialogue. Yeah, just the way that think? he writes. Right? So, I, I look at my all-time favorite movie to watch that he's ever been a part of. True Romance. Really? True Romance. I absolutely adore True Romance. Huh. All right. But for the ones that he actually directed... He wrote True Romance. Yes, he didn't direct, didn't direct it. it. That was um, uh, Tony Scott. Correct. But Pulp Fiction as his directorial one, True Romance is probably my favorite one. The one I keep watching over and over again, Django Unchained. Huh. Even though it has Continue it had the useless fourth act. I hate I hate I the it ending. It was useless, I, It was absolutely useless. It was just to have give Quentin Tarantino an opportunity to get in there and, and act like an idiot and then extra. Like, it, just, it wasn't necessary. Completely necessary. So I disagree with you, and they talk about this in, in the QT8. So if you haven't seen QT8, I'll save that for you guys. But he talks about how you never see like uh, sort of the the African American superhero at the end coming in and saving the day and coming you know overcoming adversity and being the champion at the end and taking out all the bad guys. Sure. Up to and including Sam Jackson himself, who was revealed at the end. Spoiler alert. To not even need the cane and to just be a dastardly son of a bitch himself. All so. around dastardly son of a bitch. Dude, yep. Sam Jackson so, in Django Unchained is such an underrated performance. You don't even realize it's him half the time. Uh, fun fact I'll leave you with. Uh, Michael Madsen was supposed to play the role, John Travolta's John part Pulp Fiction, yeah. in Pulp Fiction. And for some booking reason, or Madsen just set, thought it sounded silly. I forget what he was off doing at the time. Uh, he couldn't do it, so they brought. that's how they got in Travolta. Imagine the Jackrabbit Slim. No. I, doing I mean, obviously, obviously with the Michael best, Madsen, the best, the best <laughs> casting oversight. Uh, a lot of love for Kill Bills. They just never really connected with me in the way that some of the other films did. Fair enough, so. but uh, you're wrong. Um, so let's see. I, if I need to power rank now, let's see. Let me, let me, let me see. Here. Oh God, let me there see. we go. Yeah, of all of all of my all of my Tarantino films. Let's see. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, we got a pay per view to get hey, to. Look at this. Oh, I suppose you're right. Sorry, I got. I just had to like look at them all here. <laughs> Which one? Uh, sorry, my favorite uh, Tarantino movies is Kill Bill. Uh, Kill Bill one and two. I think. I think of it as a, as one film. I wish that they would have released the whole bloody affair, which because uh, he was forced to split it up originally by Harvey Weinstein, that piece of shit, uh, forced to split it up into two, and uh, Weinstein also supported the MPAA in making him. Uh, had the crazy 88 scene go black and white after the eye pluck, which I think is horseshit. Uh, the Whole Bloody Affair was only released once as a completed whole film. I believe it was in a Venice Film Festival. They, sh they screened it. But now with Weinstein being out, Miramax being gone, who knows if we'll ever actually see Kill Bill put together as one whole film. Um, Kill Bill, I just consider it one whole film anyway. I always watch it back to back. And it is by far and away my favorite Quentin Tarantino film. Pulp Fiction and Reservoir Dogs, neck and neck at second. Um, yeah. 
and then followed by like Inglorious Bastards and, and Django Unchained and Jackie Brown's like, totally unsung as well. Yeah. Um, I love Kill Bill because I love genre cinema. I love I, he is just basically on a little like dancing party bus through all of these different st- like styles of genre and exploitation cinema and I am just sitting there feasting the entire time. It's like watching every movie that I grew up with uh, all rolled into one around an absolutely incredible character uh, in The Bride played by Uma Thurman who is in just the most visceral, incredible performance I could possibly imagine. Um, just the whole goddamn thing is everything I want in a movie. I'd actually go so far as to say Kill Bill is one of my favorite movies of all time, not just Quentin Tarantino films. I freaking adore that movie. I adore all of the cameos, the number of times that like I'll just watch. I, people it, never watch it with me. Because I'm so goddamn obnoxious. Well, this is the lens that they actually would use back in the day for the Shaw Brothers films, and he actually got the lens and using it for this. It's it's totally obnoxious. The character of Pi May is played by it, it just it's the worst. But I love yeah. that film. So yeah. easily for me, that's my number one. Gotcha. Thank you very much, Patrick. I feel like Ian and I are both cinephiles. We could sit here and talk about movies all day, but. Oh, man. Uh, next up, Kyle asks, given recent events in Saudi Arabia, it got me thinking about matches tied to characters such as the Buried Alive match with Undertaker and the Inferno match with Kane that almost act like a kryptonite for them. If you were to make any such match for the Fiend character, what would it be? I like this question. Mm. What's, what's, what's the Fiend's kryptonite? What's the thing well, we that... Have, uh, I don't know. Ramblin', gold, Ramblin' Rabbit 50-year-old bald man. Yeah, 50-year-old bald man is... is, is <laughs> call it the part-timer match. Right. That's what that's the, that's the fiends match. Ramblin Rabbit was supposed to tell us what the fiends kryptonite was, but he never got around to because we got yeah. to hot shot Goldberg into beating him. Yeah. So I don't know what kind of match. I'm scared of gimmick matches with Bray Wyatt, dude. I'm sorry. After the House of Horrors match and after the the bugs in the WrestleMania ring, like yeah. the idea of a gimmick match with Bray Wyatt now terrifies me. Frankly, yeah. it should have been something along the lines of a Hell in a Cell match, but they ruined that. So. Yeah, that's tough. That's tough. It's tough to uh, say. I could see a crazy uh, sort of funhouse match where it's like crazy mirrors and I- I'm thinking of like a circus clown ha- funhouse kind of thing where it's it's a spinoff of the Firefly funhouse, but it's a, yeah. something else. I don't know what they could do in WWE because I'd love to see like a true death match and just have it be a yeah. bloodbath, but you can't do that. It's PG. Nope. 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 So... Uh, he also asked, personally, think uh, he thinks bringing back and modifying the Chamber of Horrors match into a singles contest and weapons strung about similar to the third fall cage from Cole Gargano at TakeOver Toronto would be it. To me, the idea of the Fiend getting shocked like Abdullah the Butcher did in 1991. <laughs> oh, <no>. Wow! <laughs> One of the most controversial finishes in wrestling history? Okay. Yeah, with, with right story and timing could make a compelling match moment. Yeah, they um, could, sure. And then they could they could, they could could uh, actually hang him like they did uh, Big Boss Man. Uh, Not touching that one. <laughs> right? Good Lord. Um, yeah. I don't know. I think I need to, we need to know more about the Fiend character before we can really establish this. I, don't I think know we're just they've... getting started with that. Yeah, I, I feel I feel like there needs to be more established about what he is, why he is, how he is. As Which a... was the big mistake in strapping him so early. When I the the whole ethos behind yeah. me saying keep it in your pants was so that you could develop this mythical character. Uh, I also think it's a mistake to call him the Fiend Bray Wyatt. It should be Bray Wyatt in the Funhouse yeah. and the Fiend. Define clearly that there's one and then there's the other. 
Thank you, Kyle. Very good questions. Uh, next up, Brian asks, hey, guys, I know I asked a question before. Wait, he already had a question. That was the Hall of, uh, Journalist Hall of Fame. Uh, but this uh, morning, while consuming copious amounts of caffeine, I came up with the greatest storyline WWE could ever do. I empathize. Bring back Jinder Mahal and slowly build him up oh, back up this time. Assuming okay. McIntyre wins the title, they can be friends and come SummerSlam. They're in a tag match against AOP for the tag titles. Near the end of the match, Rollins and Murphy try to interfere, but Heath Slater comes down and helps Drew and Jinder win the titles. Come Survivor Series, 3MB are ruling Raw as the top face faction until Jinder with Heath as his mouthpiece and lackey turn on Drew. WrestleMania 37 is where 3MB implodes. This would be a bigger than when the Mega Powers exploded at WrestleMania 5. What do you think? Well, hashtag Brian Booking has just attacked us. No shit, I love it. <laughs> Holy crap. Please um, post that in the Facebook discussion group and let us let, let us all kind of tear it apart and have fun with it. I mean, you got to you got to build up Heath. You can't just have him thrown into this either. Like he's the one who needs the most build back. Jinder at least yeah. was a champ recently. Heath's got kids. That's all he's got going for him right now. I'm taking by, faces. Uh, by the way, I'm addressing this seriously. I'm trying to take this seriously. Be like if you're going to do this uh like I, 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 we could easily brush this off and be like, three MB explodes. You, this could, Nick, this could actually be a thing. It could. And here's, and here's the thing. Here's something that's going to blow your mind. Is that Drew McIntyre recently has said in interviews that that he gender's coming back soon, and when he does, he's going to really impress people. And so he's been pulling for gender in interviews. So this is not. Out of the realm of possibility, if Drew's interested in working with gender and trying to get gender over, and you do some work on Heath Slater and get him back to being vi viable again, which you could do. I mean, he, Jesus, when they strapped him with the tag championships, he was a jobber a, a month before. It's doable. Totally. So this you theoretically could do this. It will WWE be able to pull this off? Of course not. But could they? Yeah, it's, it's it's theoretically feasible. Would it be uh, bigger than when the mega powers exploded at WrestleMania Five? I don't. Uh, think so. No, no. Now you now we're getting that, crazy. Now that's now crazy. you're that's, getting a little, little out there. That's that's Hogan and, <laughs> and Macho Man. Like that's that's Ooh, yeah. yeah. That's a whole different kettle of slim gems right there. Yeah. So, uh, but it it could be a lot of fun. I don't see it as being a WrestleMania May event when Three MB explodes. But it could it could be an interesting feud. That was fun, Brian. Please post that in the group and let's have some let's, fun let's, with it. Let's, 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 let's discuss it. Next up, Esmeralda. Esme standing bear. What up, pod daddies? <laughs> there it is. Abraham called hello. it. Uh, with the success of fighting with my family, what other biopics do you want to see? And who would you cast in the key roles? Thanks for noticing, Abraham. like to keep it fun. Uh, biopics. Uh... Who has it's, a good up you know what's funny? Story? You know what's really funny? I didn't think Paige, you could make a good biopic of Paige. I didn't. I Fighting with my family was way better than it should have been. Yeah. Right? And that's kind of the interesting thing is I think the, the ones that I want to see, you know, like there might be one that comes along and sneaks up on me and I'm like, damn, I had no idea. That was really good. And it was really good because I didn't know. And that's honestly kind of, I think my answer to this is the biopic that I want to see is the one that I don't see coming. Like, would I like to see a biopic made of Piper, of Terry Funk, of Ric Flair, for God's sake, uh, of, 
I mentioned them earlier, Vern Gagne uh, of Gorgeous George. Like, go back, get some of the, so the old school guys and the shit they had to deal with. Uh, Lou Thez, Bruno San Martino. Like, I'll throw you a curveball. Yeah. Jesse Ventura. Sure, Jesse Ventura would have be a fascinating one. Coming uh, up through the movies, uh, Governor of Minnesota, all yeah. of that stuff leading up to that. But who do you, I mean, who do you? He get started with Vern in Minnesota. Who you know? do you get to play Jesse, though? I mean, he's a pretty unique looking guy. I don't know. Um, there's a lot, but the one that I think I'd want to see is the one that I don't see coming. The one where they put it out, and I'm like, really, you're you're making a, a biopic about about uh, Crush. <laughs> Right from the nineties, the Bella Twins. Well, no, I can. I'm pretty can guarantee. I, I will not want to see that one. I can pretty much guarantee. <laughs> uh, no, it's like it's like the person I don't I don't realize I want to see a biopic about. Right, is the one I want to see. So that's gonna be that's gonna be my weird kind of backdoor answer to that question. Yeah, I'm not sure who would play who. I mean, they spent uh, almost a year trying to find the right girl to play young Soraya. So right. for for Paige's movie, so um, I know it, that they interesting. They wanted to do a Hulk Hogan biopic, and they said that uh, Chris Hemsworth was going to play Hogan. That's a pretty goddamn good casting call right there. I mean, you shave him bald, he's you know have him stack on a little bit more muscle. I think that's a good call. But again, like here's the last one. Here's the last one I'll throw at you. All right, Vincent Kennedy McMahon. There you go. Oh Jesus, that's sorry, Nick. You just won. You win. You win. I would love to see young Vince. Young Vince coming up underneath. Um, it goes to WrestleMania, like young, da- like birth, Vince. birth to WrestleMania one. Yeah, birth to WrestleMania one. That's the story I want to see from Vince. God. Oh. And you know what? I would even enjoy it in Vince's revisionist history method. No, Fine. just to- you keep it away from WWE. Like, oh, it would never happen. You'd never happen. He could never yeah. give you authorization for all the stuff you'd need for that. Damn. Plus, there's nobody left besides Linda, I guess, that could tell the story. Yeah. I mean, well, a lot of it's apocryphal at this point. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're right. Vince is Vince is the correct answer. Yeah. Vince is the correct Thank answer. Thank you very much. Who do you get to me. play Vince? Who the hell do you get to play Vince? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Daniel Day Lewis. Oh God. <laughs> no, it's got to be young Vince. It's got to be young Vince. <laughs> Thank you very much, Esme. Uh, we'll see you later for the pay-per-view. Next yeah. up, last but certainly not least, Marshall. Evening, fellas. Other Evening. than what happened on Thursday with Goldberg, what is a moment in wrestling that left you scratching your head, and did it end up paying off? Also would like to know if you think Cena will send the Fiend to the next level, or will he be a victim of the shovel? Thanks, guys, and thank you, Ian, for keeping your feed right side up. <laughs> uh, well. So the questions here is, uh, what is a moment in wrestling that left you scratching your head, but did end up paying off? Did or did not? And did uh, it? Oh, did he it. said, "And did it end up?" Paying oh, okay. Let's, oh, I'm gonna okay. approach it like let's 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 narrow this down a little bit. Uh, what's one that left us scratching our head, but ended up paying? Ultimately, off so I was at the time I was like, "What the hell are you guys doing?" Yeah. But in the end, I was like, "Oh, nicely played." Sadly, <laughs> I can't think of many were. Oh, uh, no. H- Hogan's turn at Bash at the Beach. To for, end up forming NWO. No, I thought after that was that? I thought that was brilliant at the time. Yep. Oh yeah. Okay. I was like, no, nah, that's great. I'm trying to think of one where I was because, like, I, you know, you you say something that made me scratch scratch my head. Vince challenges God. Uh, May Young gives birth to a hand. You know what I mean? 
Like that kind of thing where I'm like, what? Oh, okay. No, no, no. I got one. I got one. I got one. Unmasking Kane. They unmask Kane. I'm like, what are you guys doing? That's a really good one. Ended up working out. I'm like, ultimately, masked Kane is better. Period. But I was, I have to say, in hindsight, unmasking Kane was pretty cool for what it was. Ultimately, it became cool. Like it ended up coming around. Um, yeah. Uh, what else? I ended up coming around. I mean, more modern stuff. Uh, you guys might remember from Hell in a Cell. I ended up coming around on Fiend Seth from Hell in a Cell. And I think ultimately it spun Seth into the heel character he is now. It, yeah, you know. yeah, to your goddamn mind. I'm, I'm still not over that. Yeah, I'm not either. <laughs> too, too soon. <laughs> too soon. I'm not uh, ready to look at it positively yet. Um, Undertaker losing the streak. I was defending that that week. Was Undertaker's streak getting broken by Brock? Um, ultimately, was it worth it? I I think. I think yes. I think the thing that really has hurt it now is Undertaker, Undertaker keeping on coming back. If if the streak had been broken and then he'd been retired by Roman, I think it would have been the right decision. Yeah. Um. For would be in the Hall of Fame already. Looking looking at it evenly, I think it would have been the the right decision to do. Yeah. Um. Put all the rub on Roman. He's your next big guy. Okay, fine. From a business standpoint, I see it that way. The my feelings, I, I'm still like, eh, I don't want it, but it would have been the right thing business from a business standpoint, from a booking standpoint. Undertaker completely. Every time he comes back, he undermines his own loss of the streak, in my opinion. But that was a head scratcher that I came around on. I think ultimately, you know, it was the right decision. He also asked, "Would uh, do you think Cena is going to send the Fiend to the next level, or is he going to be the victim of a shovel?" I think he's going to. I think he's. I think he's going to lay. Cena's going to lay down for the Fiend. Cena and it, has it's gonna be to a lay big, down big deal. for the Fiend. The Fiend. If, like, if Cena beats the Fiend, it's over. It, then it's over. I'm throwing my hands then it's up over. We're calling it a day. Yeah. If if you know? if the fiend lays down for Goldberg in order to spin it into fiend Cena and Goldberg Roman, okay, it's dumb. I hate how they did it, but it's the right decision as far as a WrestleMania card. Yeah. This is also we didn't. Damn it, we didn't even talk about this on the show because we were running short of time. But Cena fiend at WrestleMania has implications because remember, remember WrestleMania 30, where the fiend should have beat Cena, where where sort of Bray should have beat Cena. Yes. Sorry, Bray versus Cena at WrestleMania 30, where Bray oh, should have forgot beat, about that. Where Bray should have beaten Cena, right? That was. I hope they steer into that a little bit and remind see, us. Are, no, he already is on Twitter. Bray's already steering into it on Twitter. Good. He's already saying it's a circle. It's all coming back around. This is what I really wanted was Cena at WrestleMania because this is I've got to avenge myself for the past, and this is going back into the Fiend is trying to avenge all of the things that happened to Bray. Love it. And so from that sense, this is the right thing, but. The fiend has to win for that to be the case. Yeah, I, I don't think there's any way he doesn't beat John Cena. Well, that's, don't that's a say that. Rub. Don't say that. We were saying there's no way that Goldberg. Well, beats were him. there a title involved? I would be. I would. I would be hesitant to say that. There's no title involved here because there's they could. No they could because then they give Cena the the win over over Ric Flair. He's got the one more than Ric Flair, and he's not going to do it in this match. Right. It, it, totally. I, I think there's no way that. Fiend does not win this. Agree. I, I hope that's the case. Yeah. Skeptically optimistic. Yeah. 
Thank you very much, Marshall, and thank you to all of the patrons for all of your amazing questions today. we got to run because we got a watch party to prep for in the Facebook discussion group. And if you guys want to watch that, make sure you're in there. Like our page. Join the discussion group over at Facebook. Uh, also, like us at – or sorry, uh, follow us over on Instagram and Twitter at BWO Podcast. We stream live right here on YouTube every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern and every Saturday at 3 p.m. Eastern. It's YouTube.com slash Busted Wide Open. Uh. Make sure you're subscribed to the channel because we are almost there, guys. We are on the home stretch to get to 1,000 subscribers. We need oh, every it's gonna single happen. one of them. It's, it's going to happen very soon. Uh, we are on that road to WrestleMania. BWOPodcast.com is where you can find links to all of our stuff, and you can listen to us on your podcast app of choice. Mm. And once again, thank you to all of our patrons for your questions every single week. If you guys would like to get yours in, head over to Patreon.com slash BWO. Sign up for one of those awesome reward tiers so that you can get your questions in for the patron mailbag every single Saturday right after our main show. But my name is Nick Howell. You can find me on Twitter at Data Center Dude. And it's time for pizza, beer, and AEW. I am Sir Ian Dangerous. You can find me on Twitter at Sir Ian Dangerous. But by God! Did somebody stop the damn match! This show is part of the Orbital Jigsaw Network. For more episodes, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher Radio. For details and show notes from each episode, check us out, orbitaljigsaw.com.